0: hello everyone and welcome to generation the podcast the audio companion to the hbo max original series generation i'm wembley sewell editor-in-chief of them
1: and i am gigi good and i am very sad today because it's our last recording of the podcast Uh, talking to of course zelda who's been with us every single time she's an og we're also talking to daniel once again uh co-creator of generation with zelda and to wrap it all up full circle moment we're talking to justice smith who stars as chester but Let's start by talking about this goddamn season finale.
0: Oh, God. Do I do I ever... This... <laughs> and this is no bias. Like, the season finale of this first season of, of Generation is, I think, one of my favorite episodes of television of all time. Y'all know how I feel. You've been listening to me for this entire season, like rant and rave but truly as just like a viewer who was able to just let themselves go like while watching it was it was incredible to see it all unfold so to start zelda welcome back to the show
2: Hi, thank you for having me once again.
1: And of course, Zelda's amazing father, Daniel. Uh, How's it going? Oh my God,
3: I'm so happy to be here. And also, can I just take a quick
1: second (laughs) and say, Gigi
3: and Wembley, you are gods, goddesses, and royalty. And listening to you host this podcast over this season is just like (laughs) such an inspiration. You all are amazing. Oh,
0: thank you. I'm blushing. Thank you. <laughs> and last but not least, we have Justice Smith, who stars as the incomparable, iconic, absolutely everything Chester.
3: Hello!
4: <laughs> I'm so happy to be back. <laughs> I'm so excited.
0: It feels like a party. I'm gushing. Y'all can probably hear it through through your ears, which is a weird, you know, feeling, whatever. But let's, let's just set it off. We begin and end this season with Chester. And... Mm -hmm. (sighs) The end is a little bit shocking. You know, we see him completely full circle on that same rooftop. And you immediately get the sense that he's just as fragile in some ways, again, just in that same place as he was at the beginning when, you know, we're first introduced to him and this is this is a question really for everyone i i want to talk about chester's evolution and what this ending really means for him
4: i think that sometimes when you repeat the patterns in life and you refuse to learn from your mistakes you are stuck in this rut and mm-hmm. but ironically i actually think chester has learned a lot by the end of the episode It's funny because I was talking to Zelda the other day on Instagram Live about... Yes, you are (laughs) (laughs) About how Chester, at the end of season 1A, basically ends up doing the same thing that he just got rejected for doing, which is like idealizing... And romanticizing love and putting it on Mm -hmm, this pedestal mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. becoming and being very obsessive about it because he immediately attaches to himself to this boy that he has this connection with that he feels sees him and i feel like at the end of season one b you see chester finally admit to himself that the obsessive ways that he approaches love are the thing that's getting in the way which is why he Mm -hmm. um apologizes to sam finally you know i mean i definitely think there are there's like a lot of tension between them and obviously they're not really talking and chester doesn't really know how to communicate you know anything that happened (laughs) (laughs) but um I, i i think it's a real growing moment to see chester really take responsibility for what
1: he did to himself yes. and what he did totally. to th- this mentor of his. I mean, obviously, you know that Sam isn't going to pick up the phone and be like, "Oh, why are you calling me right now? Or, <laughs> you know, You've, you almost ruined my life. Please don't call this number again. But he's not going to be that kind of person. He's just going to be, you know, like you said, a mentor through and through. And I'm hoping that, you know, if slash when there's a season two... Sam does make a comeback and cuz i i don't think i i personally did not get enough of Sam i don't know if about any of you but when he first came on screen i was like oh he's going to be one of my faves i just love a full circle full come around moment and so Same. you know it's those little like details that are the things that like Make me horny when I'm watching TV. <laughs> so, <laughs> not the situation, just the the, the details.
3: Horny for details. resolution. There were some very sexy scenes in this in this episode for sure. So yes, uh-huh. there
0: were. There's
3: a lot of full circle moments in this episode, and I think you know some of them are kind of uh, maybe more apparent than others. But specifically, you know, with Chester. So he has this moment in the pilot where he strips. It's the Magic Mike moment. He pulls off his shirt in front of the um, schoolyard, and then Mm -hmm. here he is in the finale Mm -hmm. stripping again. And I think even though in some ways his character arc isn't sort of as linearly uphill as, say, somebody like Nathan's, there is something about where Chester ends that feels very different to me, from where he began, because I think that there's something really broken with Chester at the end of this episode, and you hear it in that insanely like mm-hmm. powerful yeah. moment when Chester is talking to Sam, and 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 he asks him if it's okay, and Sam says it is, and then Justice does this thing in his voice where he's like, "Is it?" Which, by the way, just like makes me like uh, well up every time I see it. But I do think there's such a brokenness to this Chichester at the end, and it makes, and I think in our moments of true brokenness is where we experience real growth.
1: I love at the party, you know, he has this moment. He's like, I I told y'all, I warned y'all, I'm not coming to surprise you. I said I was a lot. But I guess from each of you, Justice Zelda, Daniel, and even Wembley, like when he says, I'm a lot, what does that mean? Like too much to handle or. I don't think he necessarily is
4: looking for someone who is as a lot as him. Agreed. But, but I think he's looking for someone who's going to love him for all of his a lotness. The a lotness. Yeah. You know, yes. um, I think Chester wears every inch of his soul on his exterior, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know when Bo says to him during the breakup, like he's basically like I, I, at least what Chester is taking away from it. He feels like Bo is saying that Chester puts on like a like a show, you know, like right. you know and th- that's I think Chester's one of Chester's deepest insecurities is that people think that he's inauthentic, you know. But I think the beauty of the show is like showing the the pros and cons of being someone who is a lot. Like it like it, it is a beacon of authenticity. It is like this is this is someone who prioritizes truth over everything. Um, But Mm -hmm. this is someone who also has been ostracized from intimate relationships because he refuses to sacrifice any part of himself for compromise or groupthink or anything like that. So... like, people are often intimidated by his allotness. And I think that's made him jaded in some degrees, and I think that's also made him desperate for connection in some degrees. So it's like everything he does and everything he is is a lot, and some things in life shouldn't be a lot, and some things should. Like, you should be uh-huh. your authentic, true self. Like, I think that's a really important thing to take away from his character. But I think approaching love from a place of, I am he like here and loud, and I take up all this space, it just doesn't really work in relationship, you know? Because mm. relationship is yeah. about compromise, and it is about two pe- entities coming together.
2: Yeah, completely, and you know, Chester has that moment with his grandmother where he's talking about his mom, and he says he his mom taught him this lesson of um, the moment in life that you stop apologizing for yourself is the moment you win, and I think that's a lesson that Chester is really kind of trying to learn, And I think it's hard for him now that he's been in two kind of like romantic situations where he has been kind of forced to apologize for himself a little bit. I completely agree with Justice that one of his biggest insecurities is this kind of like this idea of people thinking he's inauthentic. And I think that that is a lot of it with Bo because Bo says to him, you know, in that breakup moment, like, do you actually like me or do you just like how much I like you? And Chester kind of flows right, right past that Chester kind of doesn't really address that which is really interesting and I think that I, I think love that moment for him yeah. yeah yeah I think it's hard for him to feel like he's not being honest with himself or truthful with himself when it comes to relationships I think that by the end of this episode he's kind of noticed this pattern of becoming infatuated with the people that he's with or in love with and yeah. that's part of that phone call with Sam he's apologizing for like getting obsessed and he's just apologizing for going a little too overboard with like how he expresses love and how he feels about love. And I think he's trying to kind of break that pattern of like slightly unhealthy obsession with the people that he falls for, because I do think that it can be toxic Mm -hmm. when you're just infatuated with somebody, but not really taking the time to get to know them super well. I think he's definitely one of those people who just gets so obsessive about people.
4: Yeah, it's because you hold them to standards. Like, you hold them to expectations that they can't fulfill. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Chester even talks about in episode nine, like, oh, if you clean up his nerd core a little bit, like... Yeah. It's like, Chester wants to be so accepted for who he is on the outside, but is also, like, like, still trying to make his um, romantic interests fit into his idea of love. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yep. Gigi. Yeah. GGs. <laughs> I just, I feel like I've been there so many times
1: in my past, especially in like my high school relationships. I dated, I literally dated the captain of the basketball team in high school. I feel like I've mentioned this before on this podcast, but I was exact. I was the same way. I was like, you're going to wear cargo shorts to school. Come on. But before, before we continue this conversation, I want to actually play this clip of, of this moment that he has with Bo okay so why are you breaking up with me (laughs) i'm really
3: boring and nerdy like i Mm. I don't even get why you like me like (laughs) i I don't know sometimes i wonder if it's more
1: that you just like how much i like you but is, is Bo, do you think Bo is right when he's saying that? Uh, uh, listen, um, I said, I remember when we were shooting this scene,
4: and I said on the day that I think that's exactly right, you know? And I remember Marwan even being like, ouch, like, what?
0: Yeah, damn.
4: <laughs> but I, I think that they do connect, and I think that there's a lot that they connect on, and I feel like Bo sees Chester in a way that other people don't, and Chester picked up on that from the rooftop you know yeah and Bo has this own his own approach to authenticity you know Bo is he kind of says things off the cuff like he it's like he he often is insecure about how his mind works faster than I mean his mouth works faster than his mind and he will say things that he Mm -hmm. doesn't really want to say or mean but it's like Chester I think is also kind of enamored by that like level of That's an authentic thing that Chester latches onto. But there is is a level of Chester just wanting to be loved, you know? And this is someone who's interested in him. And he kind of leeches onto that.
2: Yeah. Also, I think it I think it just kind of proves Bo's point that Chester's response to like the question of do you like me or do you like how much I like you is if you like me so much, why are you breaking up with me and not here are all the reasons I like you? This is what makes you special. This is why I want to be with you. His response is literally just like, I don't want to be broken up with. It's not like I want to be with you. It's like, please don't break up with me. I think his response makes it very clear that Bo has a really good point here and that that breakup is maybe kind of necessary. Yeah.
3: I do have to say, though, in Chester's defense, like that is a very hard thing to hear. And i it's funny because I feel like, you know, in a way, Chester does blow past that comment that um, Bo makes. But I also think that what Chester is doing when he kind of nods at what Bo is saying is like that is almost the most hurtful thing you could say to anybody. Because basically what you're saying is it's like – you're kind of self and and centered and and so i sort of felt like yeah like i kind of felt like chester was basically like i i can't even respond to that because that's almost the most cruel thing that anybody could say to somebody in a breakup yeah but you know how like
4: that it's also it's so hurtful because it's kind of true you know what i mean it wouldn't be so hurtful if it wasn't true
3: right daniel Well, it unlocks. Why am I defending Chester more than you are, Justice?
1: That doesn't make sense.
0: I mean, I think there, I will say, I think there are plenty of people who would defend Chester in this situation. I also, I'm. Completely, Team Chester here, honestly, and I think so many other people are too. Chester is also one of the most memed, most celebrated, most revered, you know, characters on the mm-hmm. show. And so many queer people, regardless of what you know generation they were from, saw themselves and took to the Twitter sphere or the Instagram lives or anything to to say so. So I want to know just kind of like what seeing the response to Chester specifically has been like, because I do think that he's like the character that so many people latched onto and celebrated. Celebrated, even if Bo wasn't?
4: <laughs> um, I mean, for me, it's just, it's incredible, you know? I, I really like seeing someone who's so boldly queer and loud about it yeah. being celebrated in a mainstream sense. Um, I love people's young queers seeing themselves represented. You know, that was always the goal. I've said that before. I, I don't know. It's just really, it's magical.
0: It really is. I feel like every time I would scroll, like, Twitter, it was <laughs> another, <laughs> like, yes, yes, or Like, even I will say, like, uh, Nathania got a lot of points, like, for some of her, like, quips and, like, one-liners, too. And it was just, like, it felt like this, like, little mini, almost, like, revolution, honestly, I have to say. And it's it's just been so nice to, like, see the reception to your character specifically.
1: Yeah, totally. And the, the last time we recorded with you, I I don't believe I. How many episodes were there? Any episodes? No, out that when was we the first one with you.
0: That was the kickoff, right? Kicking so, no.
1: so you all yeah. you had were your own perceptions of this character and the way you could portray this character, and you didn't you didn't yet have the outside world's voices. So, I mean. I know we we spoke about this last time, but I want to know if anything has changed in what you may have learned about yourself through playing this character now that there's all these eyes on it. Because I, I remember la- when we spoke last, you you said you you're very you you and Chester Justice and Chester are not very similar people in the way that you dress, in the way that you act, in the way that you carry yourself, and so I'm I'm almost wondering if if any of that has even changed since or if. Um, you know, you know, just like if your perception of what you've learned about yourself has changed.
4: Well, I mean, I I, I have been saying a lot that Chester tra- taught me a lot about authenticity and truth, and mm-hmm. um, I I've said in a couple of I've said this in a couple of interviews, and I've watched them kind of like take it and um, mold it to mean like Chester helped me embrace my truth in like my sexuality which Mm -hmm. I found Mm -hmm. reductive because you know that's the the point of the whole show is that like we're showing the nuances of queer young queer people and that there's Mm -hmm. so much more than their identities and Chester is is a purveyor of truth beyond his queerness you know like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Chester taught me how to own truth in my beliefs about things my my opinions not to be afraid That's of so dying on hills, not to be afraid of <laughs> fighting for the thing that I believe in tenfold, even if the entire group is is going a different way, like sticking to what I know is right. Like Chester taught me all of those things. And and like, I know that I approach the world differently because of that. Like I I do have a I mean, I already was kind of a confident person, but I, I have like a new found confidence in what I believe is right, and and I owe that to him.
1: I love that.
0: Yeah, oh, that's beautiful.
1: Oh, that's exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> we're talking about episode 16 of the HBO Max series Generation, and we're gonna get into a lot more after a quick break.
0: everyone welcome back we're talking to generation co-creators zelda and daniel barnes and justice smith who stars as chester i do want to unpack one conversation that i think speaks to this really beautifully and y'all know i have been waiting speaks to you very beautifully (laughs) Like, not to make this about me, but I know it's not about me, but I do think it, it really exemplifies what we've been talking about here. And I know that so many are with me. I was get, as as the finale was like, you know, coming out, I was getting so many DMs about this because I have been probably one of the most vocal Greta and Riley fans. And I think that they're. Oh, my God, I can't believe I get to say this. Their admission of love and just joy and the implication that, like, there's love no matter what, no matter what each other person is experiencing, figuring out about themselves, was just real and honest and, you know— full of joy, which I know we all have like been like that's one of the the most important things. Sure, there's a little you know, there's some confessions that need to be made and resolved, but mm-hmm. overall, you know, I think it was a really 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 gorgeous moment and I'd love to listen into that moment.
2: There's something I've been noticing about myself. I I can like someone, like really like them, but when it comes to kissing or making out or whatever, I don't want that, oh. so I don't know how it could work like between us, even if you wanted it to. What I said that night wasn't because of me not liking you. Because I never stopped liking you. Um, I actually, um, I love you.
0: Okay, I'm over here beaming. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like... <sighs> <sighs> swoon, swoon, swoon. Can we just take one second to uh, shout out this this couple that I feel like everyone was rooting for from yes. the beginning? Incredible, incredible. Totally. Uh, Zelda, Daniel, I'd love to hear about your perspective on this arc and... and this i think again another one of the fan favorites
2: yeah this was this was a really fun um obviously like relationship to kind of develop just because these are two very complex characters who are both kind of interestingly still figuring out what they want and in terms of their sexuality who they are and i think that a lot of our characters when we start this show very firmly know who they are and know what they want and know their sexual identities and orientations. And I think that both of these characters, I think both Riley and Greta are still kind of figuring that out, um, which makes their relationship even more emotional and complicated and intricate. And it's been such an interesting, like, relationship to develop just because... Yeah, I mean, it was always important to us that we had roller coaster for sure. It was always important to us that we had like, you know, a prominent lesbian relationship and exploring all the difficulties of like high school communication and how it's really difficult to communicate when you're 16 and playing around with all the different ways that they could kind of misunderstand each other and miscommunicate things and mess up, but ultimately like find their ways back to each other. Like a million years ago, when we first began developing the arc of this relationship, we were planning on having it be more of an unrequited crush situation where Greta was crushing on Riley and Riley wasn't really into her back just because that is such a common thing in high school. Like you have a crush on someone and they don't even notice you. That's just like such a real high school experience. Um, But the more we kind of worked on these characters and wrote for these characters we realized that they actually might be kind of right for each other in a really specific and interesting way and so yeah it's just I'm, it makes me so happy that we got them to a place eventually where they were able to say like we're in love even if it's been kind of rocky and it might be rocky in the future and is asexual and it's like there's all these things that they kind of there are all these ob- obstacles in their ways and there are all these things that they kind of still need to work out and talk about and communicate about, even though that's not the strong suit. And I think that that's going to make for hopefully an interesting plot line moving forward.
3: I will say that we did not know how much Greta and Riley would take hold of people's hearts. And um, we had written this episode before any of the episodes started airing and I do remember turning to Zelda at one point and being like thank god Riley and Greta say I love you to each other because people would be coming for us if they did not yes and um it was a very emotional scene to shoot there are moments when you're you know, directing and you're you're crying at Monitor for not good reasons. <laughs> Cause like everything is going to shit. And then there are a couple of moments when you cry at Monitor because something extraordinary is unfolding. And that was what was happening in this scene. And I remember the very first time we rolled the cameras, and even though we had written in the stage direction that Greta runs to Riley, there was something about the way that Haley Hurdles herself mm-hmm. across this room that was like gave me chills watching. I think all of us at monitor just ended up with these sort of tears in our eyes. Yeah, I, yeah, we were, we were, we were all crying. And, but I'm super happy that we are leaving them in this place, and also very excited to see. You know, it's it's a really interesting question: what happens? What what can happen to them, and where they will go?
2: I also think, you know, I think this moment where Greta walks in and sees the house of the inner child and just kind of says like oh and then like hugs Riley immediately afterwards I mean like remember remember that scene where she is like kind of saying to Riley like she's basically calling Riley privilege and she's just saying like your mom took away your pool house and so you're like upset about that and they have that little fight and Riley's really hurt by it because Riley's actually going through a lot of like really intense shit at home that Greta doesn't know about but Greta's kind of assuming that it can't be that bad and it's just that, like, Riley doesn't have a pool house anymore and so now she's sad about that. And then Greta kind of sees, like, oh, this is actually insane. And, like, she doesn't know maybe the full story, but she realizes that, like, she kind of just jumped to conclusions without realizing the full extent of Riley's, like, breakdown and all that's been happening in her home life and she kind of walks in and realizes and just is like i've kind of been a shitty friend because i haven't really been like paying attention to this person who's actually going through some like really intense stuff and um yeah i think that kind of contributes also to the urgency um of her like running to riley um and i think yeah i think that scene is really important i think it's important that she's able to kind of recognize that she hasn't been as there for riley as she could have been
1: I want to talk a little bit about this party. There's been other party scenes, but I kind of feel like this party must have been the most arduous. Like, I can't even imagine how long it took to film because it involves, like, switching perspectives. It involves water. Justice is getting wet, and I don't know how many times he had to jump in that pool or stay in that pool. He was probably pretty so by the end of many that many times and so <laughs> long. <laughs> But I, I guess, um was would you collectively say that this was probably the most intense in regards to filming the scene? It was. I mean, I will say that
3: there was an incredible energy coming into the finale, just because of the closeness of the of the kind of the cast and 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 the crew. And I think everybody was excited about it. This one was a fun one for Zelda and I to write because we were really writing it to this location, to these actors. And one thing that we decided really early on was that we we knew that there was a lot to cover with the different storylines and we didn't want to like do that thing where you cut away, you know, where you're like, bring this person to this point and then you cut away. We wanted to build the interruptions and the kind of like the seamlessness into the writing of the thing. And that itself was a really fun puzzle to kind of figure out and like, OK, well, if this person goes down the side entrance and then they have to come back in through here and then they discover this person, they're interrupting and like moving the chess pieces around in our mind of where everybody was at every point was really complicated but it felt like in order to, like, really serve this thing about the show, like, feeling immersed in these kids' perspectives, in their minds, in their worlds, in their emotions, we couldn't do that thing of just, like, cutting away. Yeah. So that was, like, a big thing. And, you know, what we did, actually, was we got the whole cast to show up on a Saturday, um, like, a couple weeks before we started shooting. And we rehearsed the entire finale episode, like, blocked the whole thing. It was like it's epic six or seven hour rehearsal. And then we ran it like a play <laughs> in, like, just continuously. And there's actually this amazing video that our DP, Laura, did where she's, like, running around with her iPhone following all of the action just to make sure that it would kind of all work and because we did that we were able then to like you know go through what was what was a very intense and kind of grueling set of nights in order to like shoot it
1: that's so cool I feel like that that's going to need to surface at some point. I want to see that. <laughs> I agree. We have it. I mean,
3: it, it's not as fun to watch because, like, everybody's wearing their masks. It's the only thing is, like, it's kind of sad. Like, it's a little like, oh, wait, what? That's what they look like? And then they're, like, they're not wearing their, <laughs> their outfits. They're not looking like they're looking at the party. You know, they're kind of wearing their masks. But it is really interesting to see it um, unfold. And it was just a, it was a ball and, and and kind of this incredible moment of unity. And I actually remember talking to the whole cast and I was like, you know, I, I'm like obsessed with this concept of future nostalgia. Like when you're in a moment thinking about like the the later when you will remember this moment. And I remember.
0: Shout out to Alipa.
3: Yes. I remember <laughs> like in that, that during that rehearsal, so like talking about future nostalgia with like the, the like the cast. And we are like, we're all going to look back at this moment. And I we're doing it now. Yeah, it was it was amazing. It was an amazing day.
0: Incredible. Well, I want to talk about how it all plays out because obviously this is the episode for truth. It's where it all kind of comes together. You know, Delilah has her moment. Naomi and Ariana are getting real. Bo, Greta, Riley, Luz, Riley, whatever. Everybody, everybody is having their time. Chester to Nathan and even Mark and Megan like have have their time to be telling the truth, eating the chocolates, all of that good stuff. But I, I need to know at this point, like, what did you want? to kind of come to a close? And and what did you want to leave open uh, in this season finale?
2: I mean, obviously, with the Riley Greta situation, those are things that we can't totally resolve in the finale because they're still both probably going to need some time to figure out what they want and how they want to move forward now that they've given each other this admission of love. So I think that there were so many instances where we were just kind of considering, like, where do we want to leave each of these characters? Um, And with Yeah, I think that with, for example, with Nathan, we wanted to leave him on this moment of growth. Um, He has decided not to engage with Chester while he's drunk and heartbroken. And I think that that is something that in the pilot, Nathan would have immediately taken that opportunity. And I think that we've seen so much growth from him. Um, And with Delilah, we wanted to really leave her on this moment of like owning her truth and owning her story and connecting with Cooper and then with DNA, we leave them in this kind of like fractured state and we don't really know where they are. And that felt important because, you know, teenage friendships can just be so fragile and so complicated. And so again, like lack of communication. And I think that the three of them and also Naomi really fucked up. So I think the three of them needed to kind of have that moment of fracture. And then like Delilah has this moment of kind of accepting herself. And you see, that's kind of heartbreaking too, when you say Naomi just watching and it's like, Delilah goes straight to Ariana afterwards and it's like it's this strange moment of Naomi thinking like I could have been a part of that but I kind of ruined it and like yeah I don't know I think I think that's an important moment for that trio and then with Chester I think we leave Chester on this really hopeful moment of he sees somebody who makes him really really happy and we don't know who and I think that it's this kind of question of hope and ability to move forward after everything that he's been through. So, yeah, we leave all these characters in these kind of places that I think really suit their characters, which was just something we talked a lot about and, yeah, figured out after where we felt like they should go at the end of that season.
3: Yeah, I was just going to say it's interesting because we wanted to bring, like Zelda said, the characters to a certain point of kind of like emotional satisfaction, right? Like, you see Nathan growing up. You see Riley and Greta finally getting to a point where they can be open and honest about their feelings with each other. You know, you see Delilah being able to own this Panda Express girl identity, yet with all of those characters and stories, there is this sort of open-ended question, right? Will Riley, like, confess to Greta what happened at the motel? How will Greta react, you know? Now that Delilah has owned this Panda Express girl identity like where does she go you know with that Nathan is more mature yes but things are messier than ever with Chester so I think that's what we wanted to do is create a feeling of like what could feel emotionally satisfying and rich but also leave you coming back for more because that is the point people must come back for more
1: (laughs) well first of all I do want to ask and you don't have to tell me but do all of you know who comes up and surprises Chester at the end I am gonna jump right
3: in. I'm gonna talk over whoever is trying to talk right now and say we're not even gonna we're not even gonna <laughs> um, the, we're not even gonna answer we're not even gonna answer the terms of the question, which is do we know? Because because that in itself I feel like is an answer. And so I, I will say um this is a a very, very carefully guarded secret. Nobody in the cast or crew knew. And in fact, one of the the really great joys, and and this is like again a tribute to the extraordinary justice. Myth, we did that moment like so many different times, and talked about a different performance that mm-hmm. would play for each oh, one, uh, mm. each possible presence on that okay, roof. That's a so, fabulous um, even Justice can't say for sure, but. Uh, <laughs> What I think is really interesting is it's, this is amazing Rorschach test of like, who do you want to be there? And what is the most meaningful thing? Is it, is it, is it a romantic interest? Is it, is it a friend? You know, sort of you as the audience member, I think it tells so much about your point of intersection and emotional investment in the show in terms of who you want to be showing up on that uh,
1: rooftop. The plot twist is that it's me wearing my Hamburger Mary's (laughs) outfit on the roof.
0: I was going to make that joke. And Jester goes, it's you! (laughs) Were you?
1: (laughs) I was like, it's going to be some crazy celebrity walk-on role that hasn't been on the show yet.
4: (laughs) I would live. I would so love that.
1: i just scaling the letters in my heels and my wig and my gloves. I'm like, hey. Um, But... Justice, I want to know from you if there is any one profound like moment in in this in filming this entire show. It could be episode one, it could be the last episode, but any any one moment that sticks out to you the most, not just as an actor necessarily but as just a person
4: um that's a good question. I'm looking into my spirit <laughs> <laughs> um this show was such a magical experience for me and taught me so much. Things that are popping into my head right now are are like episode five, being with Chase, because Chase is such a big, mm-hmm. she's like such a good friend of mine now. And, mm-hmm. you know, shooting episode five with her um, and shooting this growing bond between her and Chester, Riley and Chester was literally like paralleling me and Chase's relationship. Like you, mm-hmm. you're watching us on screen mm-hmm. Become closer friends, and I, I am so grateful for that. I mean, I, I the scenes where all the kids are in in a uh, a confined space, like the bus or um, the mm-hmm. motel scene with the truth or Dare mm-hmm. or the pool. I mean, these are like these are the moments in which I felt like I was in high school again, and I felt that way because it was there was this sense of freedom and this sense of um, camaraderie that I think you kind of lose as you get older. You know, there's this thing about school where it, like, confines you to relationships, um, Mm -hmm. unlike being an adult uh, does, where if you experience conflict with your friends, you, you can't help but, like, you have to mend it because you have mm-hmm. to see this person every single day or you can mm-hmm. you can break up from them but still you're confronted with them every single day and I think that creates a lot of tension and I think that creates a lot of there's like a a bond that comes out of that and Absolutely. and I I got to feel that again that sense of bond with this cast you know and like that's something that I haven't felt since high school Um, And now these, like, people are cemented as uh, a family of mine. So I love them so much. And I want this show to get picked up for season two. Same.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> As do we. The show has been a gift. The bond that you all have like created with this cast has been a gift. I think the narratives that you've crafted and, and, and shaped have meant so much to so many different people, regardless of, of where they are in their lives. Gen Z, millennial, you know, wistfully reliving your teen years or figuring yourselves out. Like... Top down, every single person that is a part of it is incredible, and I, I, I want to to thank you all like officially for putting it into so many folks' lives and allowing us to kind of grow alongside this uh, family that you've you've mentioned so lovingly, Justice.
4: Yeah, I'm beaming from ear to ear. <laughs> 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 I mean, I just. I just really want I I just really want to sing the praises of Daniel and Zelda for creating this show obviously mm-hmm. but also for ending it on this note that like they said is incredibly hopeful um incredibly tense and I think really captivates people into wanting to see more um this show this season finale flows like a river and <laughs> and um it's just incredibly dynamic and such a good piece of art and um i'm just so grateful to be a part of it and i cannot wait to work with you guys again and i'm
1: crossing my fingers for a season two
2: same thank you so much justice we're so grateful (laughs) for you
1: love you guys I also want to say just how proud I am of everyone, too, in the cat. I mean, like, I've just gotten the, the privilege of meeting everybody. I've gotten the privilege of going to Daniel and Zelda's house and seeing how they are as a family. And it's, I just am a very firm believer in, um, good things should happen to good people. And it's just really amazing to watch this team of really good people create really good things. So... Well done, and here's to season two.
0: Absolutely. And I, from my perch as editor-in-chief of them, have watched the world just absolutely fall in love with every single episode, and it's been a treasure. And, you know, growing up, I would have... I don't even know what I would have done for something like this. So to see it out in the world is a dream. Just even chatting with you all and, and talking about how it came to life. So thank you all so so much. And you know Zelda, Danielle, and Justice, thank you for being here and chatting with us.
4: Thank you for having us. Thank Yay. you so
2: much,
4: <sighs>
1: y'all. Thank you so much
2: for having thank us. Thank you. This you been all extraordinary.
1: Oh, yeah, I love you. We love you so much. That y'all is a wrap on the first season of Generation, the podcast. We have loved being your hosts. Obviously, I know I can say the same for Wembley. And um, we've loved bringing you exclusive stories about the best set and the best cast in Hollywood. Thank you all so much for listening. That's all, folks. Generation The Podcast is a production of HBO Max and iHeartRadio, hosted by us, Gigi Good and Wembley Sewell. The podcast is produced and written by Phoebe Unter, written and researched by Sierra Kaiser, and engineered, edited, and mixed by Matt Stillo. It's executive produced by Ethan Fixel.
0: If you haven't already subscribed, rated, or reviewed Generation The Podcast, please do so on the iHeartRadio app, HBO Max, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, be sure to watch the series itself on HBO Max. Thanks for listening.